Okay, welcome to the podcast. I am Roger. That is Dave. And we've, we just half a second ago lamented that we still don't have theme music and we should probably get some because it would make the start of the show less clunky. National Talkie League. You know, we should have we moved in on the, the theme song, like the old Hockey Night in Canada theme song. Remember when it was up for grabs and the CBC right? didn't renew it and then TSN bought it and everybody in the country was going, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> like just buy the song it's a theme song this there's no way this needed to be controversial yet they turned it into the most idiotic controversy and people pretended their noses were out of joint for like a month about it <laughs> well everything i read about uh cbc on facebook now every time cbc posts a link half the people are like you guys are fake news man <laughs> really uh, fake news things getting out of hand yeah you know one day i would like to I don't know, maybe for the... Well, I guess anything goes on this podcast, right? Um, but I, I, people are going to miss journalism when it's gone. <laughs> like, a lot. You'll be stunned oh, yeah. at how much you're going to miss journalism when it's gone. I think part of that, not to get into that topic, but I think part of the problem is that once the 24-hour news channel started up, it went from a newscast, where you're reporting just the news, to a newscast... Plus we have opinion. Plus we have an editorial show. You know what I mean? So there's so yes, like CNN, a good example, right? Right. So not only do they have just a straight up, here's the newscast, here's the news as we found it, but they also have okay, well now we're gonna have a panel with you know five different people, and those guys start proffering opinions, and now all of a sudden people are going, well, you know, they're reporting fake news, and no, it's just that particular person they had on, it was their opinion or something. You know what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. See, but I like the punditry, right? Like. Like, oh yeah, no, no, I love it. I, I, don't get me wrong. I I know what you mean. Are you saying that's when like it started to slide into the morass we're in right now? Like that's that that created the opportunity. No, what I'm saying is that the you know the people who are the ones who are saying, oh, you know, you guys are making stuff up, you know, and spouting the fake news stuff. Those people are using those particular parts of the newscasts or the the programming right. as their example. It's not like the, oh, the, the straight up stories you're reporting. Those are never the ones people bring up. It's all the opinion stuff. Right, this yeah, one okay. guy on CNN said this, right? Yeah, but the other side of it too is is where you've got the president saying that like, oh, you, you don't report on terrorism. That's the problem is like, there's a lot of terrorism happening and you guys never report on any of it. And then, mm -hmm. he, and then he hands out a list of like 70 some events that he claims the media didn't report on. And and what ends up happening is Shep Smith, who's actually a pretty straight shooter at Fox News, gets on TV and goes, OK, bullshit. Look at all of the reporting that we did on all of like on almost all of the items on this list. Mm -hmm. So th there's I, it, what's really interesting to me is that like you ever go on YouTube and watch uh, William F. Buckley Jr. Answers probably no. I'm sorry. I, YouTube. What the... <laughs> It's like a website, Dave. It's like uh, it's like TV on the internet. It's amazing. Oh, that's a great idea. So Buckley um, was like one of these, you know, Ivy League, you know, sweater tied around his shoulders, you know, yacht master conservatives, right? And but he was an academic, and so like it used to be, you'd go to these like great academics for your conservative opinion, and then um, Bill O'Reilly comes along, Harvard educated but populist, and now everybody just wants like. You want to get your 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 political ideology out of the gutter. It seems it's mm. weird. It's just a weird thing I think that's happened with society. That's kind of uh, tweaked me. It triggered me. It's triggered me. See, I've been triggered. Well, there's that whole anti-intellectual and anti-educational, you know, 
slant that seems to be coming up now. It's like, oh, that person's a university professor. What does he know? Yeah. You know, I've, a couple times actually at Christmas, uh, a family member who will not be named uh, <laughs> was pointing out the fact that, oh, you know, universities, they're all so liberal now. All they do is talk about, you know, liberal stuff. They hire all the liberal people. And, you know, I've heard that argument over and over. And I think it's just I think it's kind of laughable, frankly, because if if these universities are doing such a good job at indoctrinating, especially in the U.S., for instance. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, making people so liberal, then why is it that like college educated white men are consistently voting Republican? Yeah, right. You know, it, so, no, it's garbage, right? It, it's total garbage. And, and I think it's because if you if you think about what conservative ideology looks like, like how it manifests on campuses. And this is like the real conservatives, by the way, these aren't the conservatives. Well, hang on, let me just walk this back half a step. Mm. These are conservatives who are, you know, is still exploring their ideology and they're not hell bent on uh, foisting it upon everybody. That's like the true conservatism, right? The laissez faire sure. attitude. For some reason, freedom of speech is a conservative attitude, but not a liberal one. And I don't understand that. It's weird. It's totally weird. Okay. So, anyway, um, you would never ever see a massive demonstration of conservatives out in like uh, holding hands in a giant ring and saying, we declare this football field a safe space. You would never see that. The way that nope. they would demonstrate is to do virtually the exact opposite of that by not stipulating at all what should go on you know, in that ground. And they would occasionally gather in an auditorium to listen to someone speak, and believing that the purchase of this ticket is not an endorsement of anything at all, necessarily, that that person's going to say. Yeah, how? But it's 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 weird because you would just never really see conservatism rearing its head on on, on a campus, if you will. The only the only examples I can think of, sort of conservative, you know, rallying or or marching to any extent in the states recently would be the Tea Party. Uh, you mean the 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 Boston Tea Party? That was a long it, time ago. No, no, no. The more recent Tea Parties. <laughs> not a, not a very high quality joke. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree with that. So that, that's more like tax based, right? Like we uh, get rid of this, stop interfering, get the government out of whatever. So, but you're right. On the whole, conservatives tend not to gather in mass numbers. They tend to just sort of sit back and vote with their dollars. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, or just you know have their opinions, and they think that the most of the world's immature. Like you know, I the, you know it's interesting you brought up the Tea Party because I think that the the thing that made it a joke to me, and I was interested in it when I was getting started. Was the fact that they called it the Tea Party? They were trying to harken back to the, the like the original, you know, spirit of the American Revolution, right? And I thought it was gimmicky and populist, and they were trying to package it up and brand it so they could sell it. I, I and I thought that was a huge mistake. They should have just made better policies. <laughs> you know, point. They were congressmen, like they were. They were congressmen and senators. Yeah, or I guess con senators are congressmen, representatives and senators. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, enough American politics for a little while. Um, that's what we call a segue in the radio biz, Raj. <laughs> did you? You went to radio school, but you didn't work in the business, right? I did. I went to uh, went to Mount Royal, as did you. Uh, I think I was a few years ahead of you in the uh, the radio and television program. Uh, and then I got a job doing master controls. The guy who like puts all the bits of the TV together and oh. the commercials in and that kind of thing. Where'd you do that? In uh, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Wow. Prison work in the Lovely Graveyard shift. I think I lasted, I'm going to say conservatively, a week. 
<laughs> and then I was like, nope, this isn't for me. There's way too much going on back in Calgary. And so I came back and uh, went back to school and did other stuff. Well, it's worked out fantastically, I, de- I do declare. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing about the the business, right? Like you've got to, I don't know. I never did the small town. I got I was really lucky. My, I got my first job in Calgary and then I moved to Vancouver. But um, I don't know, maybe I was good. Maybe Maybe I had that whole... The harder I worked, the luckier I got syndrome. But uh-huh. um, anyway, I wasn't that good in Vancouver. But the point being is that uh, uh, I hear that from a lot of people. It's like they got their first job, and then it was like, I'm not going to live in a small town. <laughs> you know, I'd rather be a yeah, butcher in a big it, city. It, yeah. It's really a bit of a crapshoot because, yeah, I've got a couple friends, uh, some of whom I'm, I know that you've worked with, uh, one of them who was working with you, and, uh, you know, got that first practicum, and it was a nice, juicy job, and it turned into a long-term gig. And so that guy is in radio. Cool. So here, here's what we got on the list so far for tonight's uh, podcast. And I say tonight's. I gotta. That's the trick about podcasting that I have to learn is that people listen to it all the time, anytime. Uh, right. But on, on this particular episode, uh, we've got a bit of a rundown, and we've got we're we're almost fully tricked out. You you know that we need theme music. We've got a Facebook page um, at National Talkie League, and Talkie is T A L K Y. Um, We've got that. We've got, uh, um, yeah, so we've got all the infrastructure in place, and our iTunes feed should be fixed in moments now. Like, we'll probably have that up and running in in the next couple of days. So the good news is uh, we're ready to just start taking people's ideas and suggestions about what they want to hear us podcast about, except for in this particular episode, we don't have any of those. Right. We put something up on the Facebook, but it was literally like 10 minutes ago, so... I don't know as we'll get any response from people right away. Uh, I was laughing as I listened to the first episode that went up and uh, how we insisted to everyone that everything would be pointed to the National Talking League and that the (laughs) Facebook page would be called the National Talking League. And we immediately changed our minds and moved everything over to Talkie League. What did we figure? It was going to be we were confusing people? Uh, Yeah. So if you listened to the first one and tried to find us, it, it would... You know, although having said that, we basically did the redirect in the opposite direction. So if you went to National Talking League, it would redirect to Talkie League. All right. So it's all sorted. That's boring, out. but yeah, <laughs> it's it's all sorted out now. If you're listening to this, you've found it, so you're good. All right. Now, do you want to pick a topic, or do you want me to throw a dart at the board here? Um, well, we had a couple that were left from last uh, last couple of shows that we did that we didn't really get to. One of them was uh, was uh, Roger. You're a big fan of uh, of traffic bylaws or traffic situations mm-hmm. and researching them and finding that people generally have no idea what to do in certain situations and that often people assume that things are are the law or the way that it should be done and in fact they're not. Um, we found a couple good examples like the, uh, the T uncontrolled T intersection I, I and things that like one. that. I love the yeah. uncontrolled T intersection because it brings up the, the completely fictitious concept of the main road. Oh, but if you're on right. the main road, it's like, not a thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of these are a little trickier to discuss because they do take the, you know, have to do the, the drawing for people because otherwise it's a little tricky to sort of comprehend. Right. Um, but one that we've talked about, and there was actually a news story not too long ago about it uh, here in town. Uh, and we're in whatever town you live in, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast from somewhere else, it's your town we're talking about. Just pretend it's easier <laughs> that way. Um, the zipper merge. Yeah. 
I, so so the zipper merge, um, I think most people are familiar with what that is. Right. But the theory is you're on a two-lane road, or two or more lanes, I guess, but two lanes to make it easier. And for some reason, uh, it's you need to get over into the other lane. It could be there's an accident or uh, you know, police have pulled somebody over, or it's just this lane is ending, so everybody get over. So the idea is that two lanes... Uh, merge down into I merge is a loaded word here, but you know okay. turn into a single lane. So how does how does that work, and how should it work properly? So that's the zipper merge, right? Right. The comedy in the zipper merge is that if you'll see this in a lot of cities now, where they've got um, alternating traffic lights, right? Mm-hmm. So so you'll see this often where you've got two different lanes, and then they're going to merge onto a freeway or an expressway or something like that. And so on one side, you've got – on both sides, you've got green and red lights, and they'll just alternate. One will be green, one will be red, and then you know the green light car will go, and then they'll, they'll switch. So if, if the lights teach you to alternate. Right. And that's how you know that zipper merging is the best possible solution because it's been adopted by traffic controllers, and they've made – they've built they've spent millions of dollars on infrastructure to say listen you dolts you can't figure this out on your own so we're going to force you to do it and that's what stuns me it's you know whenever i'm in one of those situations i feel like getting out and just having a conversation with the traffic light to say like i know i know what we're supposed to do here but it's not me it's not me it's everyone else (laughs) i think the problem with the zipper merge isn't so much when both lanes are loaded full of cars Right. Right. And they're both packed up right up to the front. That's not a problem because people get the idea like I go, you go, I go, you go. The problem happens when that road, when people see from a distance that that lane is about to end. And so they decide as soon as possible, I should get over. Oh, yeah. And so that merge starts, you know, 15 cars back and you get four or five cars moving over. And then finally that last one goes over and then the somebody's like, oh, yeah, no, this is the right thing to do. I need to go all the way up to the front. But then someone halfway up the line's like, why is that guy trying to jump the line? Right. That's where the comedy begins. Are you a jump? So what do we call that guy? Do you go, are you the jerk in, in air quotes that will go around the dummy who's merging too early and go to the end of the lane? I didn't used to be, but now I am. I Absolutely. I'm like, yeah. yep, I need to get, because you guys are merging in the wrong place. So once you're out of the way, I'm going to go up to the front and merge. Right. Properly so, in the right place. Let me let me try and illustrate the, why it's imperative that people do that. Go to the end, all the way to the end of the lane, because it's things that are behind you that no one thinks about. I love how the rearview mirror is like is like this brief historical glimpse for most people, when really it's like, no, you need that's a, there's some important stuff back there that you need to watch out for when you're driving. But imagine if you were having a party, and you could only invite people into your house one at a time. Okay. So like there was a process. They're going to come in. They're going to take off their shoes, and you're going to hang up their jacket. So you're really letting people come through the door one at a time. Now, what would make more sense? And you got 50 people coming over. What would make more sense, right? Would be for someone to come into the in the door, and then you do the whole routine, and everybody else kind of moves up a step, so that when you invite your second friend in, he's standing right by the door. Or would it be to have everybody out lined up in the street? Right. And then when it, you got your first guest in, then you open up the door and said, OK, Dave, come on up now. Come on up. <laughs> yeah. That's OK. A, that's a great point. Yeah. So do we is it clear now? Do people understand you're you're, you're blocking the road <laughs> with all your friends? Tell them to get on your property and, and queue up properly. I think it's for Canadians, especially. It's this whole idea that that person's just showing up now in that left lane, for instance, and he's zipping by everybody in the right lane. 
And that's somehow impolite because I was there first, therefore I should get to go first, even though I chose the lane where there's a lot more traffic right. and he's in a lane where it hasn't stopped yet. I think that's the, the psychological basis for it. Okay. Can I just say this then? I, this is important. This, in fact, should be a bumper sticker. You've literally never driven anywhere where upon the, the termination of your trip, there's a guy in ear mufflers waving a checkered flag. <laughs> there's no such thing as first. You know, like, I, I understand the whole, uh, I was first at the stop sign thing. That means you have the right of way, okay? You have the right of way. You're not first. You just have the right of way. So, like, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm frustrated with people who are like, oh, I got I to gotta gun it and get past this guy who's trying to merge. No, you have a duty, <laughs> And your duty is not to gun it and get past the guy who's trying to merge. It's to make room anyway. Uh, my favorite guy is, and he's generally, I mean, it's generally a he. It's generally a white guy, and he's generally in the 60 to 75 years of age range. All kind of ists going on here. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going for it. Um, and he uh, will see me driving up in that left lane. Perhaps I've gone around the blockage to create the proper merge at the front of the lane. And he will literally move his car over from the right lane to try to block both lanes such that I can't continue all the way up to the front to create the proper merge. Right. In his opinion, I'm now trying to skip the line. So he's going to move over and make it impossible for me to do that. <laughs> That's my least favorite guy. I think that you, that um, people should have dash cams and you should be allowed to like mail in to the cops or bylaw or whatever um, footage of people doing crazy stuff and get like a, you know, get a, get a prize, get, <laughs> get money for that. Right. Like if you, it, cause it's sort of like a citizen policing at that point, which is not a theory I totally agree with, but I just think that on the roads, it would be worth it for people to occasionally get a letter from, you know, somebody that, that can uh, uh, levy a fine against them. that says, stop driving like a moron, like get better yeah. at driving. You're terrible at this. And Remember that time last Thursday you. when you moved over to block that guy? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's why you got a $300 ticket in the mail right now. And by the way, half of it goes to him. So you thought you were being a jerk. Turns out you did him a huge favor. <laughs> you know, we used to, so you, you mentioned like the traffic posts on Facebook. I don't, I don't know why I started doing that, but it became like such an awesomely fun hobby. Um, but I would draw a diagram of a situation with like two or three cars in it. And then I would just pose a question. What should, what should happen here? What should car A or what should car B do? And the thing that blew me away, Dave, is that I wasn't making things up. Literally, all I was doing was going through the Alberta Traffic Act, like the handbook that they give 16-year-olds mm -hmm. if they want to have a license, right? I was going through that and finding stuff, recreating the illustrations, and then asking a question, the answer to which was the law. Right. There was nothing subjective about it. I was not trying, like, and none of the questions were gotcha questions like you know it might have tested you to go oh i don't remember that one from my driver's ed but every answer was on the internet and people oh yeah were... and people are yeah they go crazy when they're when you tell them they're wrong by the way they, oh, yeah. they hate that i've been driving for 30 years yeah incorrectly all the time it's weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the one the one that i was surprised to find out was the whole uh uh changing lanes in an intersection because I had always believed that it was <clears throat> it was illegal to change lanes in the intersection. It's just a jerky thing to do, but apparently it's not actually illegal. It's not. It's, it's not. It's uh, yeah, and that's like every I do that from time to time because it doesn't matter, right? Like you're not going to make a lane change when it's unsafe to do so, right? Right. So, uh, you know, if I'm driving and I happen to be in an intersection and it's a good time to change lanes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a bad time to change lanes, I'm not. So. 
But my every time I do it, my wife's like, oh, it's illegal, you know. I'm like, it's not illegal. <laughs> it's, no, it's really not, actually. Do we but... have to do this again? It's not illegal. <laughs> you know what is illegal? Putting on mascara when you're driving. How about you stop doing that? <laughs> All right. Um, I have I have the word. <laughs> I've got a couple food items on my list. I have bran and nachos. Bran and nachos. All right. Not let's, together. Let's, let's cover those. As long as it's not brand nachos, because that sounds that sounds like a self-defeating prophecy well, okay. to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Interesting. Brand nachos might sound like a bad idea. Oddly, brand is a good idea, and nachos are never a good idea. <laughs> Have you? Well, I don't know about that. Saturday afternoon nachos sound fantastic idea. Yeah, see, they do. They sound great. And when you're in the pub and you're looking at nachos on the menu, it's like, ah, plate of nachos, and you picture it in your head. It's only when the nachos arrive at the table that you realize what a mistake you've made. Because you, you eat eight, and then you send back a stale, crusted-over mound of corn chips and, and cruddy cheese. And and there's never, like, a single-size serving of nachos, right? It's like, like, oh, can I just get nachos for one? No, it's always enough nachos to feed, as you said, you know, eight to 12 people. Yeah. And they're way overpriced, too. Like they don't need to be sixteen bucks, because for the very reason you just said, like, can I just get a single serving? Here's what I open up a bag of Doritos, pour them on a plate, and then just drizzle some cheese whiz and jalapenos on top of them. I think it'd be fine. It's like, <laughs> mark that up. It'd be seven bucks. Perfect. I'm good. Do you uh, do you make the nachos at home a lot, or ever? No, for that reason. But, but you know, but you could control it at home. You could make as many as you need. You could make eight if you want. <laughs> I guess technically I do. Here's why. Um, so we have like ta- my wife's huge into tacos, and so she, you know she'll send me a text like taco night, and I'm like, oh great. I've I've heard that Roger. Yeah, I've heard she likes the tacos. She's mentioned it before that she's a fan of tacos. I can't go there, Dave. If this <laughs> I is go where? If this I is innuendo. I can't accompany you. <laughs> I'm talking about the food, the the taco. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. She just she loves the taco. I gotta abandon this. I gotta pull the shoot on the on the on the taco in Uendo. Okay, but, sorry. So, so no, but so anyway. Your wife. So she makes she makes the the tacos, and then I hate holding like Mexican style, like the flat taco or the actual shell, like the hard shell, right? The okay. yellow shell. So, okay. which to me is like you bite into it, and then the thing disintegrates in your hands, and you wish you'd never been born. So I can't. I I just refuse to do it. So now what I do whenever she says, "Hey, it's taco night," I go to the gas station and I buy a bag of Doritos. And then I put all the stuff in a bowl and I scoop it up and eat it off the Doritos, which is way so you're, better. You're making the taco bowl. Yes, exactly. And it's way it's way better. So then for me to say I don't like nachos, I guess it's kind of hypocritical because, like, that's my joke, right? Oh, hey, I've made tacos, but I dropped them so I had nachos. <laughs> so is 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 the taco salad the only salad that's literally half of its name? But just in a wider form, because really, if you have a taco, it's a shell with all the stuff inside. If you have a taco salad, it's generally a bowl made out of the taco with all the same stuff. It's literally the same food. It's just bigger, right? Yeah, it's exactly right. (laughs) Mexican food's the best con. And I mean, this isn't even this isn't like sacred ground or anything new territory. But 
the the menu the the notion of a menu at a Mexican restaurant is just ridiculous to me. Oh, okay. Here, let's do this. I think I know where you're going. I'm going to guess I know where you're going with this. Okay, so let's do this. So um, I'm I'm I've I've come to your your restaurant, your American Mexican restaurant. Okay, and I I'm unfamiliar with all types of of food as you're serving them because of course if we went to Mexico it's it's different right right but uh okay so uh what is this taco oh taco yes well you if you like uh, ground beef sir uh with a little spicy mixture there and, and, and lettuce the freshest lettuce the ripest tomatoes nicely diced right in there a little bit of cheese some some sour cream and it's all wrapped up in a in a hard tortilla shell it's got a nice crunch to it very satisfying you're gonna love it sir that no. sounds fantastic. Yes. Uh, I notice you also got the burrito ah, listed here. Ah, yes. What is that? Well, sir, you, if you this, it's got a nice spicy beef, sir. A nice uh, a beef and a nice spicy mixture in there, and then the, the freshest tomatoes diced there, and the freshest lettuce chopped up on there. There's a little bit of cheese, a little bit of sour cream there. And it's all wrapped up in a tortilla shell, sir. Oh my goodness, you're gonna just love huh. that. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. Um, what about this enchilada? What is that? Okay, so we're gonna uh, the. <laughs> Tasty spicy beef, sir, and then uh, uh, tomatoes, and they're sliced and they're diced, and uh, lettuce and cheese, and uh, sour cream, and it's all wrapped up in a tortilla, and then we just <laughs> dip it in some sauce. Uh, we could do taqui- We could do go on. You no, know, wait, wait here. I'm going to bring you a plate of food. <laughs> what if I want something that isn't get out uh, spicy ground beef, <laughs> the lettuce and tomato? Okay, everything the same, but chicken. <laughs> But then you go to like an actual Mexican restaurant and there's some weird stuff going on in there and you can't you've you've seen they've got menu items like El Pastor and you've never mm-hmm. heard of what this is and you order it and it's fantastic it's phenomenal. And yet and they can't tell Mexican... they can't translate and tell you what it is. And yet unlike most Italian places or lower end Italian places go they never have the like build your own platter or things like that, right? Because it's all the same food. It'd be super easy to go. Well, how do you want it prepared? What kind of shell do you want? But you go to like. Italian places, and they're like, okay, well, what kind of pasta do you want? What kind of sauce do you want? What kind of protein do you want on it? You know what I'm saying? Why don't they do that? Yeah, they could. You could probably run uh, a Mexican restaurant on like the same business model that you use a gas at a gas station, right? Where it's just open the door, (laughs) put your card in, grab, get some shells, and then just (laughs) fill it up at a buffet, and away you go. uh, Chipotle is pretty much that. That model is it not? Like, what kind of shell do you want? What kind of stuff do you want? It's, yeah. it's like Subway, but with with taco or or burrito or whatever. Yeah, right? exactly. It's exactly it's Mexican Subway. I like the Mexican food quite a bit. I could, yeah, I like it in Mexico. I can kind of mm-hmm. take it or leave it. Otherwise, you're not a fan of the burrito or the enchilada or anything you know, like that. I, I like it, right? But mm-hmm. but I have have you had like wildly different burritos from restaurant to restaurant? I had some good ones when I was in California, and then up here, it's just sort of a like sad, pale imitation of what it should be. Right, because you know, I've I've had friends say, "Hey, what's a good place for Mexican?" I'm like, I don't know, Taco Time. <laughs> like, it's all the same. What are they doing? Yeah. What are they, what is radically different from Mexican restaurant to Mexican <laughs> restaurant? Well, like you're saying, you get those specialty dishes, right? You once you're once you're away from the taco and the burrito and and that kind of thing, I think then you can get into. You know, actual like dishes and carne asada and uh, you know, poblano and whatever. Grilled meat. Grilled meat. <laughs> How do you want us to? What do you want us to do? With your, you want hamburger? Or do you want us to chop up a steak? <laughs> so then what the are you raw do? asada. Then what do you do with it? Oh, the, after after this, the meat type of meat is selected. The rest of the process is identical. <laughs> it's pretty much taken <laughs> off. Yeah. What bin do you want to eat out of? 
All right. So let's talk brand. So I bought the reason I'm bringing this up is because I bought um, brand, um, like cereal, brand buds. So here's two things I never do I don't eat cereal and I don't eat brand. And I brought some brand buds and uh, for a specific reason. And I'm sorry, I'm not following you. I bought brand buds, Dave, for a yes. sp- specific reason. And uh, but because because you like cereal, is that the reason? Okay. Or? Let me put it to you this way: you know when um, you see the footage of like the the commuter train rolling into the train station in the busy metropolitan center, and then the doors open, and then like every like thousands of people get out. Sure. Okay. It's just like that, and it's fantastic. So you're using it for transportation? I'm having my uh, my stool is softer. It's great. <laughs> Oh, I get it now. It's hardware. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Sometimes so you, this show chosen... is just for us. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So I I bought some brand buds, and I recommend uh, most men my age do it. But so, but you've chosen not to go the muffin route, or you know, any other sort of brand form. Just you've gone with the buds. This is like the quickest solution. I don't want brand, brand buds, man. <laughs> That's the worst part about it. This is like you're pouring. It's like it's got an adorable name. Hey, eat some and it buds. Looks, and it looks like cat food, really. Yeah. And they're not. You got to. The the pro tip on the brand buds, too, right, is uh, I'll I'll get some yogurt and then brand buds. And then I'll try to. If I have a banana around, I'll put a banana in there and then a little bit of milk or cream on top. Right. You got to leave the buds to soak up the um the milk. Otherwise, it's just like all you can hear is your teeth trying to destroy these rocks that are in your face right now. It's not good. You could go the raisin bran route, which uh, raisin bran generally uh, disintegrates in about eight seconds after you put the milk into <laughs> That's it. That's right. And then it's just mush. Really. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. I do like the bran buds mission, though. I'm going to stay on this train for a little while. And and by the way, you know, I was just, oh, just going to say before you get off the raisin bran thing, that was like the best TV jingle of all time. Which was? Sturdy Danny McGee was up his 59th tree. Do you remember that one? I'll, I I'll, don't. I'll, I'll link to it. I'll link to it on Facebook. And we should be able to play that. You know, soon. I'm we'll sorry. Be what? Facebook, uh, Facebook, Facebook, Dave. It's uh, it's like uh, the internet for your face. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was a good jingle. What were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna say that the yogurt and and that sounds like an interesting idea. But if you want to get really serious about your brand buds, here's mm-hmm. what you do: you take your brand buds, you put them in your bowl. You take a big handful, and I'm talking a big handful, of shredded cheese, and you just lay it right over the top, and then you heat it up, and then you melt it. So now you got a nice melted cheese layer on top of those bran buds. But you got to lose a lot of cheese, not just a little bit. You got to use a lot of cheese. <laughs> this is a good idea, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> eventually, one side's going to win. <laughs> Is there a nacho uh, name for that? Are those uh, br- br- branchos or something like that? Maybe, maybe that's why they don't serve the brand nacho. <laughs> it's a, it's like that dam in California. Something yeah, have you been watching that, that thing coming apart? That yeah, dam was like crazy. Reagan was the governor of California when they christened that thing or whatever. Well, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you're uh, familiar or a fan of uh, Rachel Maddow, the uh, American broadcaster. A familiar, yes. 
Yes. So anyways, her father's a big, uh, uh, used to work for the dam service or something like that. So she actually had a story on it three or four days before it blew. And she was like, it's going to happen. Nobody can stop it. There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, yeah. The, 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 there's, have you, uh, have you seen a dam? You've been to a dam? Have you ever toured a dam? Uh, yeah, actually, last summer we went to a dam just north of Revelstoke in uh, BC. Oh, okay. And we got to, you know, go up and take the elevator up to the top and check it out, look around, and look at all the turbines and stuff like that. It was cool. It's really cool. There's a there's a huge network of them through the northwestern U.S. I think starting at Hungry Horse uh, Reservoir near uh, what would that be Whitefish or Kalispell, mm-hmm. and then it like goes all the way down to the Columbia River, right? But um, oh, it's just remarkable. And there's a there's a city in uh, Washington called Electric City. And they've got an enormous dam, and I think that they like project movies on it from time to time, and like they've, mm. it's, it's a huge tourist attraction. But like, my God, and they're all built in like the '30s. So you see these, like, I would, I just love the idea of the guys in the suits and the pillbox hats and holding out the blueprints. All right, here's what we're gonna do. See, we're gonna build a gigantic bloody concrete wall right there. <laughs> we're gonna move the river over there, then we're gonna build the wall, and there's gonna be a huge lake over there. And it's yes, it's gonna, it's gonna flood everything in its path. <laughs> Uh, there's farms over there. Don't worry. Fine. Don't worry about it. Well, they're doing that with that Site C dam in BC. So BC's all grouchy at Alberta for having for killing the environment with oil sands. Meanwhile, they're about to actually drown <laughs> like a lot of the environment so that they can get some uh, some energy together. There was a not too too long ago, a China built like a huge created like tons of chaos and you know displaced thousands or tens of thousands even millions of people with one of their dams i can't recall the name of it right now but i could probably look it up if we need to know that's uh how, what's your take on that are you is that like uh being a horrible you know nation or do you just see that as progress and it's like yeah, you know you gotta break some eggs you want to make want to make waffles um it's tricky yeah yeah Sorry, it's called the Three Gorges Dam. Three Gorges Dam. Three Gorges, and it's it's gigantic. Apparently, it's an environmental catastrophe, according to Scientific American. In Belgium, do they have a Jean Claude Van Dam? Ah, I don't get it. He, because <laughs> they should. Like that would be that would that would be good. They're always naming, they're always trying to name those things after people. Hoover. <laughs> Ah, it's a Hoover Dam. Like, great. This is the Van Dam Dam. This is the Jean Claude Van Dam Dam. Yeah, the uh, the Three Gorges Dam uh, spans the Yangtze River, biggest uh, river in the, the world. Yeah, yeah, the world's largest power station. Okay. In terms of installed capacity, it generated ninety-eight terawatt hours of electricity. Do what is that? It's a, a bunch, <laughs> but but like. Do you get your power bill and you look at all your kilowatt hours that you've used and thought, ah, oh, what's this? When did I use all those kilowatt hours? Because like when I get my credit card bill, right? It's like, hey, you were at the bar, you spent a hundred dollars. Like, oh yeah, right. When I get my power bill, it's like, ah, oh, man, I, some I got to stop spending all those kilowatt hours on Thursdays. It's really killing me. I got to cut back. Well, yeah, sometimes they have the usage chart. It's generally for the city, like, oh, 5 o'clock is the, what do they call it, the electricity rush hour. Uh-huh. You know, don't do your laundry during that time of day. I See, I always set my dishwasher to run in the middle of the night, um, and I think I'm saving the world when I do that. But I, I, You're a good man. But I bet you I'm probably saving, like, 
three cents a year. I don't know. Wait, you uh, you own a hot tub, right, Roger? <laughs> that's that a, really doesn't matter. That's an energy suck, eh? I just put the <laughs> dishes. Bit. I just put the dishes in there. <laughs> when, I, when I'm bathing, I'm you know, washing them too. I want to put my my sous vide into the hot tub and get it up to about one thirty, and then just put all the dishes in there because then they should, in theory, be pasteurized, right? So, you know, we've never we've we've talked a bit about sous vide. Dave and I are both uh, sous vide cookers right now. We've both got the same sous vide machine, but we've both had hot tubs before we had sous vide machines, and it never occurred to us to bring meat into the hot tub. <laughs> Just everything in my life is about hot water circulating now, pretty much, as far as I can tell. You could just put a steak, a nicely sealed steak, in the hot tub for about two hours. It'd be great. Yeah, at 105. <laughs> to finish it on the grill, I think. You know? <laughs> but I don't see a problem with that. T- it tastes a little like chlorine for some reason. I don't know. That's <laughs> just one seasoning's the same as the other, you know? Salt's got chlorine in it, doesn't it? Knackle. I'll come over uh... for dinner. Wait, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, we were talking about Bran. Oh, we were finishing up Bran. That's right. Okay, well, we're done with Bran. Uh, uh, okay, Roger, I had yes. a topic for you, if you're, if you're game. I am. With an M. Um, so, the, there's a mayoral election coming up uh, in our city here. Yes. This year, is it not? Uh, this fall? Y- yeah, I guess it would be this year, yeah. Okay. So, here's the thing, Roger. If you were going to run for mayor... Which, uh, as far as I know, you have no formal plans to do so. None. None. So if you were going to run for mayor, what would be your platform? What would be the thing that set you apart from everybody else? What would you run on? What would be your message? Oh, God. Um... That might be a big one to throw at you. I apologize. Well, you know, it's just that I don't really know a lot about municipal politics. Um, I mean, I follow it, and, and every time the issues come up, I certainly have opinions. But I just think that I, I just feel like we're way over-governed. You know, so my, my platform would probably be something along the lines of nine people can run this city. We don't need 16, or we don't need 15, you know? So you think, you think we have too many counselors? Yeah, way too many. We have too many counselors, too many MLAs. I think we have too many uh, MPs. But if you if you reduce the number... How do you, you know, like there's a reason they've set up that number. I don't know what exactly that reason is. I'm assuming it's sort of like-minded communities or geographically the city's grown larger, so they feel that there should be X amount of people per counselor. But then you run into issues like if there's only five counselors, you know, is the same counselor that's taking care of, you know, uh, Bankview going to be taking care of, you know, um, Auburn Bay or something like that, right? right? You've got two completely different lifestyles, people with probably very differing opinions as to how the city should be run. That happens now, though, right? If you look at Giancarlo Carras riding, like he's got, I think he's got Acadia and Inglewood in his riding. I yeah, think, you know, true enough. So it's like those are some pretty, you know, um, different uh, communities, disparate communities. May I say that, Dave? You may. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think that that stuff sort of happens already anyway. Um, the, 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 the notion that you represent your constituents, by the way, is, is such a fallacy. I mean, it's, I know it's ideally supposed to go that way. And there's times when you'll have a very special interest project in, in one constituency. And, you know, the, the, the alderman carries the sugar on that one, if you will. But, um, well, like the LRT, for instance, would be a good one. Yeah, sure, right? So now, okay, so in, in my neck of the woods, they're talking about this um, uh, BR, BRZ, BRZ. 
please. <laughs> uh, they're talking about this BRZ that's going to run up 14th Street, and I'm opposed to it just because I think it's a dumb op- it's a dumb thing to do right now. They're going to build a ring road out here soon. I think that uh, you have an opportunity to build brand new, high functioning public transit infrastructure into that project, as opposed to digging up a thoroughfare that you know probably doesn't need it. Uh, and I think I think it's just a whole a lot of money wasted. I don't think you're going to have the ridership there once the ring road is open, and we inevitably do have transportation on this. I think there's a lot of good reasons to not do it. But the point I'm getting at is that you're going to have like Ray Jones, who's I don't know the last time he was on 14th Street, but he'll vote on this, mm-hmm. right? And you'll have Kara yeah. uh, is another one who will vote on it. He'll probably vote for it, knowing the guy. But he's I don't know the last time he was on 14th Street. So it happens all the time that people are voting on projects that aren't in their jurisdiction that they really don't you know, ever put their, their uh, fingers and toes on. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's absolutely a good point. All Uh, right. Okay. So, so sorry, you're, you're, you don't want to run for mayor is what I'm hearing here. No, I don't. And to be honest with you, I've been asked, Um, (laughs) but, but no, like I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want the job. I think it's a crappy job. Uh, You get nothing but yelled at. And I think it's hard to do a good job. I think that the mayor's job and you know, one thing like the city could use taxing powers. And it really irritates me that people think everything's hunky-dory. Like, we have p- property taxes. Are We get a bill from Alberta, and then we fundraise through property taxes. And it's awful. It's a terrible way to tax your people. So the city's plan to move to, a, like, a charter, is that the solution then? Does that solve those problems? I don't—I can't answer this in the context of what other people have moved on. I'll, I can only kind of come at it from, like, an I, I, idealistic standpoint, which is to say that— you shouldn't tax people based on the ground that they live on. You should tax people based on the services that they use, right? So, like, transit's a good one. I use – I wrote about this in the Metro a couple of weeks ago, but, like, I don't um, use pub- public transit. I don't use the C train or buses maybe a couple of times a year. Like, my total fare spent on public transportation in the city on an annual basis is less than $20. Yet right. half of – more than half of on any given year of the – uh, Calgary transportation budget is is tax dollars. Okay. Right? So I'm subsidizing public transportation. The theory being that, uh, you know, I get all these cars off the road and it's it, it frees up that infrastructure for me. But that's garbage. Like, that just doesn't, that's not, it doesn't play out that way. So I, I subsidize public transportation on uh, uh, with my tax dollars, my property tax dollars, and then a lot of it too with my gasoline tax dollars. And those same tax dollars also go to subsidize the roads. So it's, I just think it'd be a lot easier if we could look at the city and say, how much does it cost to live here and use the city and find a tax structure that actually reflected that? Then who pays for the bike lanes? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not actually saying that I shouldn't fund public transportation. Oh, no, 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 no. Right? I, I got that. I got that. But I, but I am saying that, like, if you are a cyclist and you're going to use the bike lanes, you should fund it. Like, you should be trying to actively fund that. Just like when people say, hey, um, like, you know, if you take the bus, for example, we've got, like, the low-income bus pass and, and people complain whenever the bus pass price goes up. It's like, no, you, that's great. It's way cheaper than owning a car. So mm-hmm. you, should, you should be, like, giddy to raise the level of service by spending more money on it. In much the same way that I bought a, a, I would pay a toll to get on a road that had less traffic on it. I was told in no uncertain terms a few weeks ago on Reddit, because there's a lot of genii out there on the Reddit. Um, but I was told uh, by the people on the Reddit that if we were to, uh, that it costs somewhere in the neighborhood of five thousand dollars a year to 
to operate and maintain a vehicle. I don't know if that's true. I didn't run the numbers. Sure. But uh, the point being made was, well, you know, if everyone just uh, sold their cars and we use that money to increase public transit, we'd be a lot better off. To which I replied, so you want me to sell my car and give the proceeds to the government? Is that, is that <laughs> what we're after? Uh, I love it. See, that's, that's actually how communism is supposed to work. <laughs> right it, it it boggles the mind often i uh, you know it's the whole it's that whole and it's that divide that's just going to keep getting worse it's that whole uh urban versus suburban right right the people who live downtown don't see any need for people to be driving cars and there's no reason that we shouldn't spend all our money on things like public transit and things that make their lives easier but you know if you own a house way out in the sticks what the hell's wrong with you you should just move you know <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah, and and the the worst part about it is too is you can't you can't even have the conversation with with those people because you're pointing out like you you come at it just to ask questions right and to go now you understand how other people might think about this like I get it the person who's who buys the apartment in the East Village that doesn't have a parking garage like I get it mm. and you know what if if I moved to a different city I would strongly question whether or not I'm going to have a vehicle there. Like if I moved to Toronto or Vancouver, I would probably sell my vehicle because of car sharing. It's it's quite productive. And I can also I know I can also rent an SUV to go on a camping trip like those are really good alternatives now. And, sure. you know, it hasn't always been that way in my life. So that to me, like everything I've just said there, Dave, I think mm -hmm. that's a pretty reasonable position to have on the matter. But for some reason, there's that's that's just something that needs to get shot full of holes by some, you know, really excited liberal. <laughs> All right, we shouldn't anger the redditors too much. Well, you know, I Reddit's funny to me cuz I mean, so many so many people have so much knowledge but nobody wants to use their name. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's beyond me. And then they get some redditors too get mad when you talk about Reddit on your podcast or on your radio show. It's like I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, mostly they get mad cuz they think that everyone steals topic ideas from them. Right even though it's usually the same sort of stuff that's floating around in the news, which is where the, the stuff came from in the first place. Sure. Um, what I find with the Reddit uh, generally is that I, it just makes me feel old most of the time. Yeah. Because the, the opinions and the, the, the concepts being proffered are generally uh, the next generations and not mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I noticed that. But, you know, I notice it more than that. I just don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> And I can't do the heavy lifting to figure it out. I'm out. They're Googling their Ubers and they're tweeting their Snapchats. And yeah, mm -hmm. I can't keep up. Uh, okay, what's uh, what's next? What's on your list, Raj? Well, you know, we were, we've were we done a lot of politics. I was going to talk about O'Leary skipping the debate, but I just think it's so funny. I just want to quickly say, I think it's really funny that I, I haven't heard any of the pundits. Maybe, I mean, I haven't heard all of the pundits either, but I haven't heard anybody say, oh, this is brilliant because it just worked in the United States. What, what O'Leary is trying to do, it just worked in the U.S. Right. Do you think it works up here? Do you think he's yeah. the man? Do you think he's going to get... Well, he's got... I don't know if he can get elected. I don't know if he'll be the prime minister. But do you um, think he's going to be... He's Is he going to be the guy, the yeah, conservatives I think, guy? I think so. I think he could sell a lot of memberships. Uh, he's He says populist things. Like, populism is not a ideology, right? It's a, it's a strategy. <laughs> it yeah. works. So, yeah, I, I just think it's really funny that people... 
uh, there's some people really struggling to to connect the dots on the fact that Donald Trump just like so forget about the presidency when Donald Trump was winning the primaries like wait till Kevin O'Leary just starts to do that picking him off one by one Kelly mm-hmm. Leach you're, that video you did oh my god that's so weird how could you possibly yeah. be the prime minister are you going to do speeches like oh t- terrible terrible you got to dismiss her right away like he'll just start doing that to them yeah just pick them off one by one yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right um, I found him to be pretty insufferable. Uh, Trump, uh, uh, sorry, no, o- O'Leary. I found him to be pretty insufferable on the, the the Dragon's Den. The you know two or three times I tuned into it, so I would see no reason to vote for that man because he just irritates me in general. But I have no idea. Is he a good leader? I don't know. With this whole oh, well, I'm a businessman, so I can run the country because the country's like a business. Well. We've pretty much proven on more than one occasion that that is not true in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really hate that when I when I used to hear conservatives say like, "We need someone who will run it like a business." It's like, yes, benefits for everybody. Is that what you mean? Like a rich benefits package, but tiered, right? So that if you've been a Canadian for a longer period of time, or or you're chummier with the politicians, you get better benefits. That's what you want, right? And occasionally, the prime minister just will promote his friend. <laughs> right or or his he'll just hand the country over to his son run it like a business they say oh i love it and by the way money for everybody right we're running canada like it's a business which means that canadians are its employees and we're gonna salary each and every last one of them is that what you mean by run it like a business or do you mean oh f- you're fired get out of the country <laughs> Give me a break. it's almost tax time the one thing that absolutely just drives me crazy when tax time rolls around is that point where I realize that, oh, we donated money to this charity or this cause or whatever over the year, and I add up all those receipts, and I see that I get, you know, 14 cents off my taxes. Yet if I had just taken that same amount of money and just donated to a political party, oh, you'd get so much more money back. What is that all about? That's well, the, I think that's the most obscene thing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And How they, is that more valuable to the country than giving money to things that the government in turn would have to give less money to if they could convince me to give more of my money <laughs> to the Red Cross or the local theater group or whatever? That's less funding that they have to supply. So how does that not make sense to give me more of my tax dollars back for doing that? Yeah, not to mention it's 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 quite repugnant too to think to think about it this way. And I'm if this is not how it works, I hope someone will correct me, but you give money to me, okay? So I'm a political party, and you're you're Dave, and so you okay. give you give me a hundred dollars, now you get seventy five dollars back. That's okay. how much money you get back, right? So uh, I'm honestly not sure, but you could be right, yeah. Yeah. So you give me a hundred dollars, I don't give you seventy five dollars back. Revenue Canada gives you seventy five dollars back. Well, technically, Revenue Canada requires seventy five dollars less from me, right? That's right. the way it works. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. So. Like what's what's going on there? Then you get to shortchange the country to, by supporting a political party. I don't right. think those two should be linked. And that party's not giving the country any money back. No, <laughs> that's the like that's what they're a business to do, right? Political parties are all about giving money back to the country. They're never about taking <laughs> it, right? <laughs> yes, I think that's I think that stands on its own merits. That statement. Um, yeah, no, I think that's I I agree with you. I think that's completely repugnant. But you know. The, I think one of the biggest issues, like you asked me if I was mayor, and that's the, the thing I'm least interested in, but if I was premier, I, I wouldn't laugh. That was my next question. Okay, you're running for premier. Oh. What's your left? Oh, I would just blow up the tax code altogether. 
I would just, I would tell them, I'd say it is going to be painful, uh, but we're going to do it. And, um, I would also, there's two things I'd really like to do if I could, if I could just have my druthers, right. If, if I could win a leadership of a political party and then get to be the premier and know that I had the votes to get this stuff done. The first thing I would say is this is the last year on the current tax system. Next year, we're not going to have uh, an income tax unless you make more than about $120,000 a year, but we're going to have a 17% GST or a PST in the province. And what's going to end up happening is you're going to have more money. Everyone's going to have more money. And what we're so, going to have... You... Sorry, go on. And yet everyone hates the concept of the sales tax. Right. But because I... they don't understand that it... Basically, better. you could save more money if you pay less taxes. You're only paying for the things that you actually use, right? Right, yeah. And it's 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 fair. It's more democratic. So, like, that income tax would be flat. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I'd love to work with an economist like Trevor Toome on this one and just you know, figure out the best way forward. But, you know, maybe you have just an incremental flat tax, like 3% or something like that across the board. And then you have that consumption tax so that you can tax the rich, which is what everybody wants, apparently. That the rich get taxed. So now if you've got a, a, a 10% for the sake of round numbers, some guy goes in and buys a Ferrari in, in Alberta. Guess what? He just paid $15,000 tax on his car, whereas uh, the guy who goes and buys the Honda Civic pays substantially less car tax than the rich dude. But it's that same thing. People are still going to say, oh, well, that guy makes so much money. How come he's not paying way more taxes than I, even though the reality is he is, of course. But the rich guy's also got to spend his money. And as we discovered on a lot of occasions, that that kind of stops happening a lot of the time. Right. When in what instance, though? In the well, instance... the rich get richer because they're not spending their money. They're not. No, They're the not rich, using the disposable income as much as that as your middle class the and your get, lower class. Yeah, people. but hang on. There's an asterisk, though. The rich don't get richer. The rich get richer compared to the the people who are bad with money. Because that's, right. that's the standard that you're holding it up to, right? If you just looked at rich people on a year-to-year basis, there's some years where they didn't get richer. There's years where they had wicked drawdowns. Look at um, uh, Murray Edwards would be, I would, I'm guessing would be an example of this because he's probably got so much bloody stock in his CNRL company. I bet you that last year he did not get richer. Fair enough. I bet Fair you he enough. got Good less rich. Yeah. So the whole point of it is, is that the rich get richer is a, is a cliche because they're good at getting rich. That's what made them rich. They knew how to do it. And once you're good with money, you don't just suddenly forget how to money, right? And the reason right. why poor people stay poor is because they suck at money. So, like, you know, people don't stay poor forever. It's a skill that can be learned, and it's it's mind-blowing and shitty that they don't teach it in school. But it's like it, we got to stop just going, oh, the rich have this unfair advantage. No, they, they don't. Go to the yes, library. It's called, it's called <laughs> saving your money. <laughs> Go to the library and read books about this stuff, and, and you, can, you too can learn. I'm not saying that you're going to unlock a six-figure salary or, you know, just have bags of money fall on your head. But, I mean... And I know it, there's headwinds. It's difficult to work your way out of poverty, and there's some other obstacles that we could all collectively work to get out of the way. But let's not perpetuate the sense of victimhood just by saying, oh, it's inevitable, the rich get richer, the poor stay poor. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned uh, Trevor Toon before. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's good. Because he, he lays things out in sort of easy and, and easy to comprehend and understand. Got a lot of charts, a lot of graphs, and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So often he'll be challenging things the government's saying and saying, well, that's not actually true, and here's why. He's fantastic. So if you're not following him, you should. But then he's, he's not controversial, though. That's the, other, that's the only thing about him, right? 
is because he's decided he's like, ah, oh, the facts are good enough. He's interested enough in the facts, and there's a lot of us that are. And he'll he'll put out something one day that says, yeah, you know, the effects of climate change are grossly exaggerated. And you're like, oh, this guy's a great conservative economist. And then the next day he'll come out and go, uh, actually, uh, raising the minimum wage is not such a bad idea. Or like, you know, I'm, I'm making I'm picking topics. Yeah. I'm not saying he's endorsed any of these, but. So it's more factual based rather than ideologically based. Yeah, because that's all he cares about. Yeah. I'd also Nothing wrong with that. get rid of the minimum wage. Yeah. How <laughs> and... do you feel about the minimum wage, Roger? Oh, it's. It's it's tragic that they did that to poor people. You know that they. Let me ask you something. Okay. Yeah. If if yeah. if you and I are both going trying to get the same crappy job, okay. Right, and you have more skill than me. Who is the boss going to hire? Probably me. What is the only thing that I have? What is the only leverage that I could possibly have at my disposal to incentivize that boss to hire me instead? You will work for less money. Right which I can't do because it's against the law. <laughs> like, it is that simple. That's the same thing as the whole equal pay for equal, like the the, the closing the wage gap thing. It's like, really, right. we're going to take, like, how anti-feminist is that? We're going to take away, like, if there's a woman who is less experienced than a man or vice versa, you want to limit their ability to to take part in the, in a market-based workforce by by... Implementing some sort of a law that says, "Hey, it doesn't matter who you hire; you got to pay them the same." It's like, okay, well, then I'm going to hire, the, I'm going to hire this person then. But I mean, there, there's reasons that we put those things into effect, right? So that that corporations can't just take advantage of people and, you know, destroy the economy by being able to hire people for dimes. Well, okay, I think if you're kind of talking about uh, a scenario like. Uh, illegal labor in walmart's in the united states or something no i'm saying if you take the minimum wage away altogether you could get to a situation where companies are hiring people for a dollar an hour right yeah no you certainly could and you would have to be in a pretty bad economy where that worked you know but we had minimum wage laws in alberta when they were petitioning the government to allow more foreign workers to come here so that they could pay them above minimum wage so we had minimum wage laws and you still couldn't find anybody who was paying well you could but you know most most uh entry level uh unskilled jobs were not paying minimum wage yeah see and that's the, that's the thing is it's not not beholden to a company to have to pay the min- it's the minimum you know, it's this is the least I'm allowed to pay you. I would pay you less <laughs> if if I could. Don't get me wrong. I do not think you're worth fifteen dollars an hour. I would pay you nine cents an hour you're, if I could. You're triggering me here, man, because <laughs> the thing about that is that's a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet could answer that question. My I would, spreadsheet I would says pay you. <laughs> that I could pay you four dollars an hour. Okay, but so you work in your your day job is like consulting, right? Yes. So when you do something and you go into the boss's office at the end of the month or whatever, and you go, hey, I saved you, you know, $300,000 with this system that, you know, we just put in, right? Sure. At that point, you're actually underpaid because your productivity at that point is a greater number than your wage. This is true. Okay, so now... Oh, you know, I, sometimes I surf the internet, too, so there's that. <laughs> but if I, if I work in a restaurant, right, like some cruddy, greasy spoon, and I'm getting paid 15 bucks an hour, but my productivity is $13 an hour, guess who hates me $2 at a time? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. I hear you. I hear you, Roger. 
Uh, okay, where are we at? Are we closing in on end time, yeah. or do we do we want to open something else, or is it time for a celebrity death or a deep oh, question of some kind? I've got a ce- I got a celebrity death for you. All right, and uh, I'm gonna. I was trying to keep it under an hour because at an hour we have to put it on two different SoundCloud files. Oh, okay. <laughs> for this, but by next week we should be up and running on iTunes, so it'll be just fine. Okay. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna name uh, this person's credits. And when you know who the dead person is, you tell me. Oh, so you're gonna tell me their like movies or songs or things that they've done, and then I have to tell you who it is. Exactly. Okay, that's fun. Okay, it's gonna be tough too. There's some obvious ones that I'm not gonna. Is this? Sorry, I was just gonna ask: Is this uh, chronological, or is it like least known to most known, or is there some sort of? I'm just gonna go pretty random here. Okay. All right. Uh, old boyfriends. Going south. <laughs> That's two different movies, by the way. Not old. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nineteen forty-one. John Belushi. That's right. <laughs> How did you know that? I thought nineteen forty-one was one of the random ones. Nineteen forty-one. I knew he was in it. So. I don't even. Know. I was not familiar with that movie. I think I played that video game a time or two. And Steven Spielberg's still alive. So. What? Steven Spielberg directed nineteen forty-one. Oh, did he? I did not. Yeah, really. Spielberg. It was one of his first. Big films. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis uh, wrote it. Well, co-wrote the screenplay. John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Treat Williams. Uh, that man is a treat. Let me tell you. <laughs> nice guy. Good guy. Fun to be He's around. He is a treat. I know, I've uh, got this uh, guy coming over. Uh, something or other. Williams. Uh, which one? What's gonna be like to be with him? Be around him? Uh, it's gonna be a. It's gonna be an absolute bonbon. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, John Belushi died on March fifth. Uh, this is the anniversary. We're recording this on the anniversary of his of his untimely death. What was his cause of death? Do you know? Uh, oh gosh, it, probably cocaine related. Uh, is, did his heart explode? He smothered himself to death on. Uh, yes, he. I think he his combined drug intoxication involving cocaine and heroin, uh, drug combination known as speedball. Speedball. Uh, he was visited separately by Robin Williams and Robert De Niro on the day of his death. Was, huh. Yeah. Uh, and so I wonder if that, that couldn't have been a contributing factor. Boy, poor Robin Williams, too, hey? Like, mm-hmm. who's already having right. problems, then he finds out his buddy John died. I was just thinking in terms of, of, of drug usage that that you could almost come up with, you know, instead of calling things uppers and downers, you could call them... Robin Williams and Robert De Niro's. <laughs> wow. That's, um, would you call De Niro an upper, though? Or he's the downer? Well, he's the downer. Okay, he's, yeah. he's, he's slower. He's quiet. So makes... I mean, he gets loud, but he's slower and more measured. And Robin Williams is bouncing off the walls, right? Yeah, so now that makes me the jerk, because I thought by downer you meant the guy who suffered from depression most of his life. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I can joke about that. There's some introspective. Uh, there's some. There's some. What was that? Self-flagellation in that joke. Oh, Robin would love that people joke about him and even anything he was dealing with. He would never be, you know, opposed to that sort of thing. That was one of the first like celebrity deaths that actually really moved me. Because most of the stuff I just don't care. I don't have much reverence for it. But when he died, I, I was really legitimately saddened by that. Because Good Morning Vietnam and people ridicule me for this. That was an important movie for me. 
Because it's radio. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the clown, when the clown dies, everybody's sad, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy. I mean, you know, if you're a dramatic actor or whatever, people can get solemn and sad about your your passing. But when the funny man, the person that keeps us up, when we find out that, A, that person's gone, and B, that that, that person had a lot of downs going on themselves, right. it's, it's a little harder to take, I think. Let us end on that note, Dave Ware. Yay. We will uh, uh, resume this podcast. We don't have, like, a frequency figured out yet. And if you've made it to the end of this podcast... We, we would like your contribution in the form of topic ideas that you'd like to hear discussed. Ask us questions on the Facebook page. And um, we're going to kind of standardize the features a little bit because we want to do, uh, like so do some stuff, like a deep question or some, some other ideas like that. Yeah. Yeah, come up with some segments, as they call them, in the biz. <laughs> in the biz. All right. Well, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for letting me peel off some rants, by the way. I've kind of had hey. some stuff bubbling under the surface lately, and it's it's been <laughs> no outlet. I love that I triggered you about the minimum wage. I'll have to find other things I can trigger you about. That was fun. I like to joke that I'm triggered. Like That's like one of my favorite. Oh, you triggered me. I got triggered by that. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for hanging out with me, Roger. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you too, sir. Good uh, And good night now. And good day. Good night.